Hello, and welcome to episode 302 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Jack Holder, comics creator and writer of Legends of the Realm, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Jack, uh, thanks so much for, for being back. We're really excited to, to catch up with you. Um, generally, when we start off an interview, we ask for, for two things to get rolling. We ask for a quick bio about yourself and then an elevator pitch for the book that you are crowdfunding. Absolutely. So my name is Jack Holder. I am the writer and co-creator for Legends of the Realm, an epic fantasy series that is on Kickstarter right now. Uh elevator pitch for the series is uh what makes a hero is it based on their actions their motivations or who's telling their story uh and with this first arc we have uh six different narrators who will be telling uh a set of stories about a young mage named Camridian as he journeys throughout the kingdom finding new magics in the hopes of uh, discovering a miracle for his king. Very cool. So I, I know that Noah um, read up and he's, uh, he's probably got a couple of questions fresh on his mind. He's, uh, he's read a bunch of stuff uh, in preparation for the interview. So I'm going to turn it over to him for the first question. Yeah, I was just curious about um, where the inspiration for the sort of tone of the book came from, because it, it's not necessarily somber, but it is very, um, I don't know, like realistic, I guess to say, like it, it takes place in a world where things aren't that great and people are just trying to do their best when things necessarily aren't black and white. So I'm, I'm very curious as to where, what, what made that ideal for this fantasy setting? Well, I think I've always uh, enjoyed that sort of fantasy. It's that... Uh, it's how you find that uh, middle ground between it's not Tolkien and Martin, it's almost Lewis uh, and Tolkien. How, how can you find something that's both aspirational and grounded, which is something I've always uh, found myself drawn towards, especially in uh, artwork. Uh, so that's where uh, that part comes from. Uh, Legends of the Realm came from uh, the idea of me trying to set up a story about a young wizard, but it kept it kept changing from uh, time to time. And then I realized that uh, so often uh, <laughs> it's not that reality changes, but our perception of it may uh, based on who's telling a story and that is when I stumbled upon the, not just hook, but the flavor of Legends of the Realm is uh, stories reveal just as much uh, about the tales as it does about the tale tellers. Uh, so every issue, you're going to see a very biased narrator. Uh, doesn't mean that they're wrong, doesn't mean that they're uh, right. It means that they're coming in with their uh their own preconceptions i like how you i mean issue one is sort of all about that it's all about perception and you bake that in not only into the, th the themes of 
the issue, but you also baked it into the narrative as well, which was such a cool use of a concept to <laughs> explore it, not only in visual, not only in the text, but also in the visuals. Um, and you're, you're going to be doing that going forward in each issue as well? We're going to be doing that uh, in many different ways. So this first arc is six issues and uh, artist Evan Scale and I really wanted to tackle uh, so many of the different elements of story. On um, that first issue, The Floated Dream, uh, which people can get caught up on on the Kickstarter, just a mini plug. Uh, that one was that sort of uh, introspective while at the same time introductory. So we wanted to really showcase the very ideas of magic. This one, we took a lot of influences from uh, both Westerns and uh, Samurai Jack with these really personal uh, duels of both war and words between two characters. And uh, so each story you're gonna see a little bit different both in terms of uh, narrative and structure. That's really cool. And You're so, speaking my language with Samurai Jack and Western, <laughs> so sign me up. <laughs> so you you have the you, you mentioned earlier that that you're working with with Evan again, um, you know, and you guys have have done a number of things together. Um, is that process evolved over time, or did you sort of find uh, a way that works, and and that's that's how you guys are doing it? Um, you know, maybe you can give them a little less panel description since you guys know each other. Has, has that changed over time? I'd say uh, that's exactly what's going on. Like uh, when we're in the opening stages uh, for Evan uh, and me, like I'll be sending him uh, just about everything, like concepts, uh, character ideas, uh, the very rough stuff just so he can see it and many times it's just a oh yeah this is great uh but he'll keep he'll add more and more input the further the script comes along uh and by the time it's finished and then drafted with uh my editor uh he has a lot more ideas and we can work together a lot easier and if I remember correctly, is he in like Greece or, or something like that? He is in Greece. Okay. And so, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with people in, in different time zones. And um, I, I also think if I remember correctly, um, Evan might be a bit of a, uh, uh, like a night owl and, and constantly working. Um, but do you have a dynamic where maybe you send him some notes, you get to try to get a couple of hours of sleep and you, you, you wake up to, you know, either a couple of panels or, or a layout. Do you, do you have sort of that process? That has definitely happened a time or two uh, because uh, he can keep odd hours and go up till 5 a.m. in the morning. If I do that, mm -hmm. I will sleep until 5.30 until uh, my daughter needs to wake up for uh, food. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Noah, do, do, you, do you have another question for, for Jack? Yeah, so um, 
when you're sending him concepts, are you doing that in the form of, of writing? Or are you sending him visuals as well for, for inspiration for Evan? For the most part, it's uh, writing. I'll send him some visuals, but it'll mostly be like uh, GIFs. It'll be uh, GIFs. It'll be whole little pieces of fan media that I pull out and go, hey, this will be some inspiration. Uh, and we'll talk in that sense because Evan also is an epic fantasy fan, so we can actually talk in nerd speak and neither of us needs to go run to Google Translate. Yeah, I hear that. I can see that in the book. What I like about Evan's style is that he also, I mean, it's definitely a fantasy book, but it's not gritty fantasy. It's very vibrant and colorful. Was that something that you guys wanted in the in the direction of the book from the beginning, or is that just Evan's style? That is straight up Evan's style, and it's one of the reasons why I felt most comfortable going to him with this. I held on to that first script for about five years before I really showed it to anyone seriously. Uh, like I, I knew that this was one of those scripts that I wanted uh, done right. And I don't know, whenever I see gritty, like really truly dark uh, fantasy comics, they take that too literally to the point where I can't even see what's going on. Right. And I'm just like, I, I have always felt like comics can totally be introspective, but you have to enjoy turning that page. If you don't, then like that you're just in trouble. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. I, I found myself enjoying it quite a bit as I was reading it. it you have dark subject material but the visuals don't take away from that but they're also not uninteresting they're vibrant and full of energy which is amazing and so much of that is just uh the amazingness of Evan uh I I hear so many people going oh I need to give like two or three pages uh per comic page script uh, so I can actually get the description down and everything. And I'm like, so that means that you haven't found that artist that you feel comfortable with, uh, that you can trust them with. Um, so, you know, I, I hear a lot of talk about like, you know, in, in like the worlds of sci-fi that you can have, you know, different types of, of sci-fi you can have hard sci-fi where they have to like explain in detail you know how the the warp drive works on on this ship to be able to do sort of interstellar travel but then you also have ones that go hey guess what we have this deal with it we're doing uh interstellar you know interstellar travel um and you can also do that with a fantasy book do you have like a rigid um you know, magic system, or do you, you know, basically you're like, hey, these guys can wield magic. You never can, you know, know what to, to expect. And, you know, um, a number of different outcomes could, could happen. Uh, what's, what's your magic system like? We haven't really explored the magic system as of yet. 
Uh, and I really want to get into the idea that it's magic systems. Mm -hmm. uh, like I've always believed that magical forces are, it's unlike any element that's uh, ever come before. Like if you think about electricity, it's, well, there are many different ways of uh, utilizing electricity, but then uh, over time, it just becomes more and more optimized. Magic I've always felt is a force that has its own semi-sentience that mm -hmm. is willing to change based on time, place, and personal inclination. So going forward, I really would like to see uh, and explore uh, the magic systems. Uh, this first arc is really about exploring uh, the kingdom itself, seeing the characters, seeing some of the uh, struggles and trials and tribulations and understanding Cameridian as a character as well. Very cool. And you said earlier that the, the plan is, is six issues uh, for, for the uh, arc? Yeah, uh, five issues that are almost like standalone and then the six will tie them all together. Cool. Um, you know, I've never read any of the, the Game of Thrones books, but I, I, I know that uh, <laughs> the way that the, the storytelling mechanism is, isn't it, it, it each chapter is told by, by a different character. Was that any uh, inspiration for you to sort of have, you know, different points of view telling the stories? I could only imagine um, in the book, you know, depending on who's telling you, you know, what family they are, that could... Um, you know, dictate the way they sort of tell you about things or the way they, you know, sort of present things to you. Was, was that an inspiration for you? I definitely would say that Game of Thrones is some inspiration. Uh, I, uh, if I had to name something that was more on the nose would probably be the King Killer Chronicles, Patrick Rothfuss, The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear. Okay. Uh, because uh, all the books are... Uh, literally uh, the main character sitting at his tavern uh, telling a bard his story over three nights. Yeah, uh, I've, uh, I've read a couple of those, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that, I, it, you know, you know, you read so much and sort of you stuff is in the back recesses of your mind, but then you, you brought that up and I was like, oh yeah, those, that is how those, those stories are told. That's really cool. Uh, Noah, do you, do you do you have a question here? Yeah, I did have a question. I think it's just because I've been reading a lot of manga lately and I've been thinking about this. One thing I really appreciate about the first issue is that you have a good amount of setup at the beginning where you sort of go through, explore the world, set up this floating city. And then once you get into the second act, it's just straight action from there on. I was wondering where the idea for that came from. Is that just something you like to see in, in comics or was that something that was like you wanted to just sort of hook people into the world with excitement right away? Oh, I wanted a little bit of both. Like, uh, the, like I said, the first script, uh, Torn Soul, was written in 2015 and it was for some nameless artist. It was uh, an attempt to see what was uh, 
possible, especially as I was starting up uh, trying to be a comics writer. Uh, the first issue and Here in Set in Stone were written for Evan uh, because it was really seeing what can we do uh, together on this. Uh, and uh, both of us are like, we, we love fantasy and we want to explore this more. So Floated Dream was, uh, it, in a sense, uh, also uh, a love letter to fantasy, which just about every issue is. Uh, we're, we are fantasy fans. We, uh, we're in this comics business because we absolutely adore this sort of thing. We want to see giant snakes, snakes and floating cities and mirror worlds and fights on bridges. We, we love being in this field. Yeah, and I was I was going somewhere with the manga comparison, but it felt an awful lot like manga when I was reading it because like how they're usually how they're structured, especially like shonen stuff, is like a lot of setup and then just straight action for the rest of the issue or arc or whatever. So I was wondering, yeah, if you if if either of you guys were trying to also sort of bring that energy to the book, yeah, as well. I know I do because I really enjoy a good shonen jump. Uh, uh, book. I I love uh, Naruto. Uh, I get my wife uh, the latest volume of My Hero Academia whenever it comes out. Uh, and I usually, when someone asks me what's your favorite book, recent book, or series, I usually say Full Metal Alchemist. That's awesome. Okay, I'm really glad that was that was intentional because yeah, I've. I started asking one question, then ended up asking another question, but I did want to circle back to it. So I'm glad <laughs> that I picked up on that vibe and that it was a correct vibe. So that's awesome. Uh, it's definitely got that energy to it. And I think the vibrancy of Evan's art helps there too, because it, it feels like uh, like the colors by, um, let me just make sure I've got the colorist right. It's uh, it's still Evan. It's all, it's Evan. Yeah. So yeah, even, even Evan's colors have like a very anime feel to it, which is awesome. Very cool. Uh, so, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. Please go ahead. Well, here's what I really enjoy about manga, which can sometimes get lost by Western comics creators. Uh, for Western creators, so often you're going to have you're going to have uh, either fun comics or you're going to have actiony adult comics, mm -hmm. and manga really is the why not both. Uh, we're going to have the stupid conversations and then literally two pages later we're going to have this epic spread of an entire city being leveled by one spell that is it's one of the things that i feel uh can get really lost uh by uh the west at times yeah i agree and also it has to be nice doing Kickstarter because you don't have to stick to like the typical comic page, you know, page number, which I think is sort of what's refreshing about reading manga as well as that they can have, like, I, I read a volume of Jojo recently where 
it was over multiple chapters, but there was a whole fight where they did bring down a house and it went for like a hundred pages in the collection, but that would have been like six issues. Like, you know, that came out every week. Right. Um, like it was just sort of not bridled by like having to hit like, you know, a three act structure every week. Yours sort of feels like that as well. Like you're not limited page wise. Is that, and uh, with Kickstarter, you can tell like whatever stories you want almost. Uh, yeah, that is a real benefit of Kickstarter uh, is that, uh, I mean, Kickstarter is uh just straight up amazing. Uh, can you think of, all of us can remember the before times of uh, what it was like to try and produce comics without it. Uh, the quality uh, between independent comics and uh, these big traditional publishing houses, the gap was monumental because we did not have the resources, uh, the time and uh, energy to put together uh, a full professional book. Now I can contact my artist on the other side of the Atlantic. I can contact uh, my printer who's on the other side of the country and I can reach out to uh, backers all over the world. Uh, to talk about an epic fantasy book that isn't full of very pretty women. I will say that in as nice a tone as I can say it. Uh, as scantily flat as possible. Yeah. So um, if Noah's okay with it, um, if we shift away from, from story, um, I, I was going to talk a little bit about, um, and I think maybe the transition would work really well here, is, is crowdfunding. Um, but I don't want to leave story and, and art if Noah's got anything else that he wants to check in about. No, I think that's a great idea to switch over to crowdfunding. Cool. So, you know, Jack, you had mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you, you, it seems like you have sort of the standard things that that we can expect from from a kickstarter you know catch up tiers um digital versions um physical versions do you want to talk about um anything else that you you might have that we don't normally see in a kickstarter um uh, i mean we have a couple of variant covers from some absolutely amazing artists amanda, amanda dufresne and chris Campania, who's actually done work with the teen, uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles works uh, from last time, we are going to be bringing back the Cartographic Magic uh, pledge tier where you can get a piece of a map of Danis Fire. Uh, so six will get you six, uh, all six pieces of the map. Uh, Very cool. And, uh, and of course, if you want to get your hands on every book that... Uh, we've done with arcane industries we have the whole arcane village and does that include your your pros uh your pro stuff yes it does very cool um i guess maybe i lied uh, I, I guess i do have a story question here um you, you your first stuff was was pro stuff and then then you came to comics is, is that correct yes and did you struggle with the sort of the, the efficiency you needed to have with 
um, a comics page um, as opposed to, you know, telling a story in prose where, you know, if you wanted to, you could go on for, for you know, quite some time um, and, and, and get into detail. Um, did, did you struggle with that at first? It actually came as a relief. Uh, description uh, has been a struggle for me uh, as a prose creator. Uh, I never feel like I'm doing uh, description justice. Uh, but here in comics, it's so much more laid back in that regard. And at, when it comes to dialogue, uh, I can hear uh, dialogue both in prose and uh, in comics. So uh, as I'm writing, I'm hearing everything that's going on. So I can, it's really easy for me to tighten it up in my head. Uh, cool. So, um, you know, you're in this Kickstarter. Um, uh, this is, this is issue two. Um, and you said there's, there's ways to catch up. Um, you know, you've been running Kickstarters. Um, you've been parts of, of Kickstarters, anthologies and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm assuming you're going through all the sort of the, you know, the traditional methods of uh, trying to, to reach people, you know, social media, um, do you have a mailing list? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, so you, I guess you're using, you're using all of those things and obviously you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're on the podcasting service. Is there, is there anything you've tried to, to change up this time around or have you, you sort of found the, the tried and true methods that, you know, will, will get enough eyes and ears on the book, hopefully. Uh, I've got the tried and true uh, and uh, I'm just hoping they stay tried and true. Cool. Um, and, uh, you know, with the, with this being a second issue, are you tracking things like, uh, you know, returning backers? Um, you know, you know, I, I, we all, when we run a Kickstarter, you know, we get the message, you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's my buddy. I can sort of count on him to, to him or her to be there every time. Are you seeing sort of, um, mostly, you know, returning names? Um, new names or maybe you know you're in a lucky sort of part of where it's almost like half and half uh, what are you seeing right now at the moment I'm seeing mostly uh, familiar faces which uh, is still very good yeah. uh, I take that as a positive especially with the second issue uh, because uh, that means that people uh, enjoyed the first one mm -hmm. uh, that is so uh, it's not rare, but it is very, very welcome. Awesome. So, um, you know, you're in here. Um, how many days into the, to the Kickstarter are, are you uh, at right now? So this is day eight. Okay. Uh, we got 22 days and a wake up to okay. go. Yeah, and so we're recording this on the uh, the sixth of September. Uh, what's what's the what's the final day of the Kickstarter? September 29th at eight fifty seven a.m. Eastern. Nice. And did you uh, were you were you aiming for nine o'clock, and then you got a little uh, antsy and hit the hit the yeah. button a couple a couple moments I, early? I do that so often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think people don't realize that you can't really 
schedule uh, a Kickstarter launch, you literally have to hit the button at yeah. the time. Yeah. 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 I think uh, the last one Noah and I were part of, we, we were looking for noon and I think we were all on a chat and I'm like, you know what? It's, you know, 1120 something. Let's just go ahead and, and hit the button here. So, you know, we were all sort of anxious to get going. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, as long as you're sort of close enough to that time, um, it, it's hopefully, um, what you wanted. Um, did you pick your dates, uh, for, for, for any reasons or did you, uh, you know, did you want to be, you know, mostly during the month of September? I know there's a lot of schools of thought that you, you should launch on a Tuesday, maybe end on a Friday when people are getting paid or did you just say, Hey, I want to, this is the, the, the set time that, that I want to run it for. This is normally, uh, I run it how uh, I feel like I personally can muster up everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's based around that. Uh, I have one more campaign at the end of the year. Uh, that'll be going up uh, literally uh, the 1st through the 31st of December. Uh, so that one will be, that will be a wonderfully new and challenging experience uh, because that will be directly breaking conventional wisdom of if there's any time you don't want to have a Kickstarter, it is the month of December. Uh, but we will see if that conventional wisdom uh, can either be broken or is flawed. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I know that we're both uh, comics launch um, alumni and, and participants, um, and there's this sort of the, uh, you know, the school of thought that you know everything is a bit of an experiment. So it seems like you're you're uh, you're, you you know some of the the issues that you might be running into, but you're looking at it as a as a as a test as well. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, is the the thing that's coming out in December is that uh, related to this or is this uh, something different? It's something different. It's a new project. It's a Christian uh, young adult fantasy comic. Oh, okay. Um, so if things were working, you know, sort of the at you know their their best pace, um, when would you and Evan hope to be going to to Kickstarter again with with another issue for for Legends of the Realm? I would love if we could do uh, the next one in like February or March or so. Uh, okay. Like it's, uh, he usually doesn't get the chance to actually start in on the pages until the campaign is just about over and fun funded. Uh, okay. But he can work pretty darn quick, uh, nice. especially if he doesn't have anything else lined up. Okay. Very cool. Um, no, I think we're getting close to, to the end of the interview. Um, you know, we've talked story, we've talked crowdfunding, we've talked plans and stuff like that. Um, do you do you have any final thoughts or questions for Jack? Yeah. Um, what you're reading right now and, uh, you know, uh, that's uh, keeping you sane while you're kickstarting things. So I just got through with Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Uh really good sci-fi uh series it was such it was such a 
quick read. Uh, and, uh, and I say that in a very, very positive manner. Uh, like I didn't want to put it down. I, I looked at my clock last night and it was like uh, 10.30. Uh, my wife had already fallen asleep and I'm like, you know what? It's only like 20 more pages, maybe 30 more pages or so. I really want to get through. And I ended up going to bed closer around midnight. Nice. What about the, um, you know, we're, we're in a bit of a uh, time where we have a lot of epic fantasy uh, coming to, to television. Is there anything that uh, you're, you're checking out? I know the opinions are, are divided on a number of these things. And of course, oh, unfortunately, golly. we're getting a couple of knuckleheads that are complaining about silly things again. But is there, is there anything that, uh, that you're watching? So I haven't seen House of the Dragon. Uh, that Game of Thrones finale really left a sour taste in uh, my mouth, uh, but I'm hearing really good things about that. Uh, I watched uh, the first episode of uh, Rings of Power. Uh, okay. I, I didn't hate it. I want to be very clear on that, and I will be watching the next episode. I'm still excited about it. Uh, it plots as in it's got a very slow pace, which, you know, can be the problem of a first episode when you're trying to set so many moving parts uh, up. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm worried uh, with Lord of the Rings uh, that these guys fell too in love with both themselves and the title. Huh. And uh, because of that, they uh, grew fat on their own self-importance. Uh, uh, that is uh, something uh, that I am watching uh, nervous. Uh, two things I'm watching that I'm not nervous about. Uh, one, I'm really happy that Arcane League of Legends got the Emmy for Best Animated Series. Oh, it's awesome. getting a second. Yeah, it beat out Marvel's What If, it beat out Bob's Burgers, Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, uh, and Dota uh, Season 3 uh, just released, and that has been really fun. I cool. can't believe there are video game TV shows uh, that are actual quality. This, yeah. is, this is unheard of. I and remember... The the rock in doom yeah well and the best one is a league of legends tv show which is like that thing was insane art. it know. was phenomenal yeah if and here's my thing especially with animation if it was told flat out we are we need to take a year off after every season because we need to keep this art quality this sound quality this not even just the story i know writers we can get together and we can put together something amazing but uh we can you can overtax your artists to no end uh, especially if you want to keep a yearly schedule like i would take a year off for this level of quality are you kidding that would be that would be christmas morning every yeah. episode 
so true yeah so true i i, I agree with you completely so Very cool yeah no, you, I, I, i'm sorry go ahead i i'm just i i am just so happy that animation has caught up up like just the very active animation we just got through a sandman season this i thought that was always going to be impossible so it is just so heartening as a deep fantasy fanatic to see movies and television that really stretch the limits of imagination and you can actually see it come to life it is wonderful very cool so let's do this as we wrap up. Um, you know, you, you gave us um, a little bit about yourself. You gave us an elevator pitch, but let's um, let's let people know where they can follow you online, and um, you know, just talk about the, the the book one last time as we close up. Absolutely. So you can find me online at arcaneinkdistries.com, I-N-K, uh, or you can find me. Uh, both on Facebook at Arcane Industries or uh, Twitter at Jack Holder AI. Uh, and you can find uh, Set in Stone, the second issue of Legends of the Realm uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, the quick uh, link is inked.pub slash legends2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is Camridian's second adventure in Danisfire. He is, uh, his king has tasked him going uh, across the kingdom, finding new magic. Uh, Providentia, his last stop was intentional. This one over Calthum Gorge is not. It is him uh, trying to get into a mountain hold, but comes across a strange guardian. He's forced to fight uh, because he's been demanded a toll that he cannot pay. Uh, while you don't hate the warriors and as they fight they realize they don't hate each other but does that matter must they still kill each other Uh, find out in set in stone very cool and what about evan is he mostly uh on on instagram uh he is on instagram uh but you can also find him uh at uh Evan Scale Art, uh, or at Evan underscore uh, Scale uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna link. I'm gonna link that stuff as well because you know, I I, I think that uh, the art on this book, uh, you know, the the story obviously is great and compelling, and you know, the the good thing about comics is it's it's the combination of the two. So I think people should be should be checking out all of that stuff. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us. Um, If anybody could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow our podcast, we are on social media. Twitter is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. And Facebook is Constructing Comics. But just once again, thanks for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.